Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. What a wonderful morning it is in Coolidge, Arizona on April the 15th, 2018. Happy to have everyone on board who is on board. Thanks. Thankful for those who are in class today. There are, there are always a few people who get it. There are others who struggle. We're working together to get that number of few enhanced and enlarged. I want to reaffirm the statement I have made earlier that if you skip any of this process, you will have you will have a wobble in your final application. Folks, we cannot skip any part of this series because it is all foundational to where we need to be going in our thinking about the things of God. We're going to have a little review today, which is, uh, well, brace yourself. A lot of folks aren't used to this, but we're on the on the first lesson of the two laws, we we all know what those two laws are, and we think of them from the standpoint of that number one is that we we do all that we agree to do, and secondly, we do not violate or encroach on another person nor their property. This week, a lot of questions, several questions have come up about well, what if you're the victim? So. We have to pause here in our series because we don't want to go with unfinished things, but that's what that's what happens when people think about what they're hearing. You start getting questions because if you're hearing and then applying, you realize, well, how do I do that? So we're going to deal with that side of those first two laws this morning, and hopefully you will get it. And, uh, is a, oh, yes, from a size one to a size two thinking cap. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of our folks have been, you know, encaptured by the headhunters, the head shrinkers, and uh, they're down to a size one hat. Uh, we're hoping that we can get yours expanded to where you need at least a size two. Well, <clears throat> many times, There are times when one of the two laws is broken. That violation cannot be undone. If someone has failed to do what they have agreed to do, I want you to pay attention. If you have agreed to do something with someone and then you have failed to follow through, folks, that cannot be undone. and I want that to sink in. Or if someone has had their property or person violated, 
That cannot be undone. Not as if it had never happened. I'm going to come back and discuss that part of it a little more later this morning, if Nolan allows. There are times when God has set in order, there there is a thing that God has set in order for us to resolve serious conflicts or violations of this. And let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 13. Now this will make some of you mad. That's good. That's on the way to learning something. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 13. Let Let me show you what God has done for those who have been violated. Submit yourselves to the Lord's sake to every human institution. Now just take it for what it says. For I know you're all trying to modify that. That's the first thing you do is try to change what God has just said. Now stop it. (laughs) Submit yourself to the Lord's sake, for the Lord's sake to every human institution whether to a king as the one who is in authority or to governors as sent by him. Now now we get the purpose for the punishment of those who act without purpose. Of evildoers, that's what evildoers means, and the praise of those who do right. Now he's, he's, he's brought it down to two principles. You notice everything in this course that we talk about are in twos. Two laws, two expectations about God, two physical laws, two foundational facts, two products of creation, two things about the word, two things all the way through. That's just aid your memory. They're not meant to be exhaustive. But here we have two things. One purpose of the government that God has set in motion was to punish those who act in a way that is not in harmony with God's purpose. That's civil government? That's civil government. Absolutely. That's the purpose of civil government. Well, didn't, we, didn't we just see that in Daniel? And we just saw that in Daniel, but you're getting ahead of me. I'm going there too. <laughs> Everybody is... On board you're, this morning. You're just slow today. And I'm just slow. That, oh, I like that. I like that. So this, this, this passage is clear that the reason that we do this is because what God set civil government in position to do. Now, whenever it does anything outside of this boundary, then there is a problem, but that's not the intent of this discussion today. God has set in order a civil process whereby anyone who has law one or two violated has a recourse. And that's what? Civil government. That's the first thing. Now remember, what, what's the first law? Do all that you are going to do. If you fail to do that, if you fail to make your payments, if you fail to do anything that you have agreed to do, there is a type of court that handles that. What's that, what's that called? Civil court? No. It could be. What's tort law? 
that's the process of, 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 of correcting failures and following through with signatures and commitments and things like that. We're not taught that. And the second thing is the praise of those who do right, those who honor those first two laws, who do what they say they're going to do, and who don't, do not infringe on other people's property or their person, you have both the capacity here that God has instilled with civil government to punish those who violate either one. There are no other laws besides those two, by the way. They don't exist anywhere in the world. Hopefully your kids have got them memorized. Dave, we talked about this in our kids' class pretty exhaustively. Yeah. You can have this conversation with anyone, regardless of whether they're in the church or not. Where did the concept of right and wrong come from? Where did it begin? And this establishes that. Take a moment. Yep. We always start with non-biblical issues with this biblical issue that nobody recognizes as the biblical issue. And that is how do people get along in any society, including the church, or including the family, including any element of society. But there will be violations. And when either of those two laws is violated, is broken, someone gets violated. Sometimes there is no legal or moral recourse. How we deal with that, when it cannot be resolved by the court, and by the way, I'm going to expand on this a little bit, so be patient there. How we deal with that is in your hands. If you have had an agreement or someone has made an agreement with you that they did not follow through on. An employer, an employee. Anything that has to do with two people in any realm of life, any kind of an infringement, an encroachment upon your freedom that was through coercion by force, You have to deal with that, first of all, it's in your hands. And I'm going to tell you right now, folks, that time passing will not remove the hurt, the remembrance, nor the guilt. And it won't do you any good to get even. That's why God put civil law in place so that you don't feel the necessity of getting even. Even If it is not something that civil law can resolve, then you have to deal with it, but getting even is out of the question. We, that does not work. Because then we assume the position of God. I will condemn you. For what you did to me, I will condemn you because you violated an agreement. You sold a rotten car to me and you told me it was good. 
You know, I hate to sell old red somewhere because I've driven it for almost 300,000 miles, and somebody's going to get it, and the first week they get it, it's going to break down. And who are they going to blame? They're going to blame me, you know, because they drive it different. You know, a, a, a vehicle kind of gets used to how it's driven. Somebody else steps into it, they may be good drivers, but they're going to drive it different, and it's going to cause something to break. Well, that's a theory. I couldn't prove that if I had to. But <clears throat> so anyway, sometimes things happen because we're in the wrong place with the wrong people at the wrong time. It may be that we allowed or encouraged someone to transgress one law one or law two. But you see, that never justifies the transgressor in doing what is wrong, no matter how you may have allowed that to happen. If you did, or if you didn't, it doesn't make any difference. The transgressor violated law one or law two, and they are the transgressor. We always say, well, why did you do that? Well, it doesn't make any difference. Any parent should be taken out and lynched. Whoever asked his kid, why did you do that? Because why does it make any difference? What did you do? Well, that's what I did. Why doesn't enter into this picture? God doesn't say, why did you sin? And we condition the kids to thinking in terms of if they have a justifiable reason, it was okay. That's nonsense. That also plays into uh, arguing conclusions. It's the same principle. So we don't ask why. It's, did you do it? Yes or no? It isn't why. Was it wrong to do that? Yes. And then how do we correct it? As soon as you ask a reason why you've lost the you've lost the argument, you're over with. It's over for the rest of your life. That will never be forgotten. You never ask why. Why were you speeding, Greg? It doesn't make any difference why you were speeding. Were you speeding? Yes. Here's the penalty for speeding. Very simple. Because people want to give you a whole barrage of reasons why they were speeding. And, you know, it doesn't make any difference. The law was violated. Now, the judge then determines by the reason. Right? You know, and and there has to be some judgment made on the position of the, you know, Every violation is not necessarily a violation of that nature. Uh, I guess there's limits to how much judgment can be made, but at some point um, the violation has to be acknowledged and then you have to face the judge and then he will determine whether it was justifiable. Maybe you were having a baby and you needed to get to the doctor. Well, I think the judge is going to be tolerant, don't you? Maybe. Just to, try to, just to try to pin this down a little bit, 
you're explaining to us why it is foolish to ask an evildoer why they did such a thing. That's right. There's certainly validation in asking why on other things. Why did you use that wrench? Why did you... Right. Sure, but that's that's, that's correct. But I I made that clear to begin with. We're, We're talking about where there's been a real violation. We cannot ask why because a reason does not justify the violation. You see, that's what we condition. All of our public today is conditioned. Why they did this, why they did that, our whole society is justifying conduct because they've got what to them is a justifiable reason for breaking it. Now, outside of that realm, of course, why has a lot of merit. But we've got to remember when it comes to right and wrong, why why absolutely makes no difference. And as soon as you go there, you've lost your case. You can convince yourself that something is wrong is right. Exactly. That's easy to do. Just by answering why. That's all it takes. You've lost your case as soon as you go there. Now, <clears throat> let me, with, with those things established, when you are a victim of either Law 1 or Law 2, then one recourse if, is that God has a, in place for that type of disobedience if it's of a serious nature enough to get into a court system, that's what the purpose of civil government was all about. Anything besides that then becomes a different issue, and we're not going to that part of the issue today. That is God's purpose. He knew that people would violate law one and two. What God did was provide all of humanity in order to maintain order in a society is to establish an institution called civil government. Now, there are times when there are infringements on a, on a person that is un, unintentional. I was working for the Environmental Protection Agency many, many years ago in the state of Washington, up where we go in the summer, and we were falling 1902 snags. I mean, there was a fire that went through all the way from, um, almost all the way from Mount Adams, all the way down to Vancouver, Washington. And all that forest had snags, I mean, 200 feet tall. And they became lightning attractors. And they were dry after all those years. And so we got a contract to go in and follow those in certain, and each person had a certain contract for a certain area. I was following one that was probably seven or eight foot thick. You know, you'd run a four foot, I had a four foot blade on my saw, and you'd run through halfway, then get on the other side and go through the other half. Otherwise, you couldn't get through. And I had a partner, his name was John. He's gone. 
I can talk about him. He cannot come back and haunt me. And he was about 200 feet up the canyon, and he was falling a snag as well. Huge, huge. And I, I was running mine, and I was looking up, and I saw the top of that snag move, and I knew that thing was about to come. Didn't know how far it would reach. Watched it a little bit longer, and I could see where it was starting to come my way. So I turned my saw off and went back up. He couldn't tell whether my saw was running or not. I went back up the canyon about 30, 40 feet up the hill, and that thing came down, hit the tree that I was on, knocked my tree off the stump, came right down where I was landing. Now, here's the trick that I played. John came down. He knew I had been falling in that area. And he said, Dave, I was real quiet. (laughs) Dave? No answer. Dave? Yes, John. (laughs) Oh, oh, oh. I thought I'd got you. See, that was certainly an infringement on my territory. (laughs) But that was not intentional. Things happen in life that are not intentional. That's life. But we have to look at even Daniel. In in Daniel chapter 6, he said, I am innocent before God and I am innocent before man, but look what's happening to me. I'm going to the lion's den. He did not resist. He let them throw him in the lion's den. Now, most of us have not been put there, but we think that we've been put into the lion's den, and God has not closed the mouths of the lion. But you see, even what happened to him, yet he had no anger. And I'm going to say something today that we need to remember. When, when we are a victim of others violating one or more of these two laws, our tendency is to react rather than respond. And so it is important through this process of education to train our minds to respond thoughtfully. What usually happens is that we, over time, we develop an anger if somebody did not fulfill the terms of a contract that affected us and cost us money. We become angry. Anger is the normal result of violation that has not been resolved. So today, we must learn to take responsibility for our own anger It affects close relationships. There are signs of anger problems. Uncontrolled outbursts, domestic violence, the controlling behavior. People want to manipulate and control. That's a product of anger. Rages at work or on the road. Depression 
or anxiety. Those are introverted aspects of anger. Alcohol or drug dependence. They may all cover up an anger problem. And we have to deal with the anger. I want to read because the anger of having been violated in either one of these two laws throws people off the edge and ruins their life. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. I may not even get to today's lesson, eh? We'll see. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15... Let's start with verse 14. Pursue peace. Well, I can't buy that. The word peace in the Greek comes from the Hebrew word shalom. What does shalom mean? You all know, I've told you before. The resolution of problems. It means to resolve problems, to resolve issues. It's the resolution of issues. It doesn't mean to tolerate them. It doesn't mean to condone them. It the means to... Not the absence of them. Or not the absence of them. It means to... Resolve. To resolve issues. We need to go through life, folks, issue-free. If you have an issue today, get it resolved. I'm, I, I ask you for your forgiveness on that. <laughs> Pursue peace. That means seek solutions with your friends. Right there in plain black and white. Is that what it says? It doesn't say that at all. See, you're not even following. <laughs> it doesn't even say man. But what it does say is all. With all, follow with all. Make peace with all. How many does that leave out? All right. So you make with solutions. Oh, now you're hitting the nail right on the head. (laughs) And holiness. So first of all, he tells us you have to be solution-oriented people with everybody. And holiness, holiness, hagios, the root word, again, is having a purpose, a set-aside objective, and in this case, in harmony with God's objective for life, without which no man shall see the Lord. Now, that no there means who? If you are not a problem solver and you are not seeking to be in alignment with the holiness of God, you're not going to do what in that verse? You're not going to see the Lord. That 
that C is in that's not with the eyes. That that C is in I, I as in knowing. Well, I would suppose so because it's in the feminine gender. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure about that. Wanted to. Um, but it's in the. You shall see. No one will see for himself. It's in the middle voice, mm-hmm. and that's the key there. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> so let's go to verse 15. Now see to it. Folks, that means get serious. That's why I said to begin with this morning, brace yourself. You cannot skip any of these processes. You have to get them straight as we go. You've got no business trying to tell somebody else what to do to be saved if you haven't followed the process, because you're going to have a wobble in the end result. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God. Now, he's speaking to Jewish Christians particularly here. They had come to know about the grace of God. And he says, the grace of God has within it the capacity of resolving all issues. That's really a part of what the grace is. You can fall short of it because if you are in the grace, which is static, the grace of God, within that, the graciousness of God abides and you will have an insight to the resolution of all issues. Now, if we fail to learn from that, if we fail of the grace of the Lord, of the God, then what? Then the result of that is a root of bitterness You see, if you're not in the grace of God, then you have only one solution in that civil government. But if you are within the grace of God, you have within the graciousness of God, which is an adjective, if you are in the body of grace, there is there to be found through God's example of Jesus, uh, Ephesians 4.32, is the example of how to resolve issues that are resultant from you being violated by law one or two. Did you get that? Because the root of bitterness, folks, he is talking about, that the way to avoid the root of bitterness out of which comes anger and all of those other things, but particularly here we're talking about the anger that abides with people because they have been violated. You fall short of the grace of God, then the root of bitterness will spring up And it will bring to you what? Trouble. Trouble. And out of that, you will become defiled. That's not a positive thing. 
So if you having if you're dealing with these people who have trouble and and they have difficulties in life, you have to get to the point of the issue. And this is it. No, do not come short of the grace of God because when you do, there will be a root of bitterness that springs up and that will cause you all kinds of trouble. Many are defiled. And it even was a source of the problem with Esau who sold his own birthright for a single meal. He lost his sense of value. Why? Because he fell short of the grace of God. He did not allow God's thinking to affect how he acted. That's falling short of the grace of God. So, you know, later he tried to get things right in verse 17. For that even afterwards when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance. He couldn't get himself back into alignment again because he had allowed himself to get caught up with bitterness and his anger and his emotions became the controlling device of his life and he couldn't get it together. He sought for it. With what? Tears. Tears. But you know, God God doesn't get pansy over your shed tears. He doesn't turn into a pansy. You can cry until you haven't, I mean, you can cry rivers of water. That's God not going to have any effect at all. Tears are not the solution. There is getting the into an alignment with what is right, where the solution is, and here is a perfect example of what we do. Now, he's talking about here those who have been wronged. He's talking about those who have had a contract that didn't pan out by somebody else's fault. How do we deal with that? And then, <clears throat> let's go to First Peter because that result, bitterness, is really another idea there for anger. Let's go to First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2. <clears throat> Verse 19. First Peter, you see, this is not uncommon to the Bible. The Bible has a lot of references that talk about those who have been victimized. I'll tell you today, there are so many people who have broken contracts. Businesses break contracts. Individuals break contracts. Hospitals break contracts. Everybody breaks contracts. Well, that's an overgeneralization. But you see, that produces, if we have not a way of responding to that, if we don't get in control of that, then you've got a problem, and it's going to create bitterness. 
We have to find a way. So we have to train our mind to respond thoughtfully. Not to react, but to respond. Look at First Peter. What did I say? 2.13? 2. 2. I don't know what I meant. Um, well, I, you know, I changed my mind when I got here today. I think that it is... Um, Hmm, hmm, hmm. Let's, let's go to 2.19. So the notes that you folks all have received, they're going to be valid for next week. First Peter chapter 2. I'm going to start with verse 18. Not, I, don't get, I don't want to get caught up on here. See, we read this stuff too often. You need to read a passage of scripture maybe 100, 200 times until you get a feeling for it. I mean a real deep feeling and passion for it. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect. He's not condoning or condemning slavery here, but he's saying if that's the condition that you're in, see, that's the issue. If that's the condition you're in, be submissive to your masters with all respect. He's not saying whether in that and uh, of itself is right or wrong. He deals with that in other issues. But whatever issue you are in that you have no control over, here's what you do. Whose responsibility now is it to do it? Yours. Be submissive to your masters with as little respect as possible. That's right. You like that, Nolan? All right. With all respect, and not only to those who are nasty, oh, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. Is that about, does that about cover it, folks? You thought the Bible wasn't practical? I'll tell you something. The only practical book in the Bible about how to live as a human being is this book right here. It's the book of how to live a practical Christian life. You can do it or we would not have the instruction. We have the instruction because we are capable of hearing it and applying it, and living it. Verse 19. See, I didn't want to get caught up in verse 18, but there's a, there's a month of series, see? Yeah, you do. <laughs> no. <laughs> For this finds favor. Oh, I like this, though. Now, this is going to find favor. If for the sake of conscience, toward God. So now we're talking about those who have been violated, but because they have a conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrows, hurts, fears, disappointments. When suffering, how? Unjust. Unju Isn't that what we've been talking about all morning? Of course it is. Those who have become victim because they have had 
laws one or two violated toward them. See, we've always talked about this in the positive side, assuming that you would see the other side. This morning, because of the demands of the week, I've had to come back and look at it from this backside. But these, these are powerful. This finds favor. Of course, you don't want favor. Nobody wants to be favored by God, right? Isn't that very often the same word that's used for grace? Grace. Yeah. It's grace. Thankworthy. For this is grace. This is grace. See, grace is a noun. It's not a verb. It is something that God does there is, by the way, in your Bibles, if any Bible, if any of your Bibles have the word by grace, like in Ephesians 2, get rid of it. That Not the Bible. The get rid of the by. The Bible, the by isn't there. It's, the by is not there. It's always through or there's nothing or it's because of, but it's never by. And all of our Bibles have it translated by. It's just like Jesus, it says in... in uh, uh, it says that the creation was by him. No, it wasn't by him. God is the creator, and he created through Jesus. The word is always dia. And you see, they get that all wrong, too. That's a translation problem, but we don't want to go there, do we? So verse 19, for this finds favor. This finds favor. You want favor with God. Folks, it begins for the sake of your conscience toward God when you bear up under all of the things that have you depressed, all of the sorrows of life, all the grief. Is that what it says? Absolutely. And you have, you have suffered wrongfully. Oh. Wrongfully suffered. Doesn't that, isn't that applicable to our subject? It just zeroes right into it. How many of you have really actively followed and pursued that course of action? Why, if you want to please God, then you have to learn to bear up under sorrows when you have suffered unjustly, whether it's law one or law two. By the way, there are no other laws in the Bible. Everything comes under law one or two. You all know what they are now. You've learned them. You've memorized them. They're so deep in your mind that they've become a part of your nature and your spirit. You understand that. So it's just saying that if we can, that if we're bitter because we're the victim of an unjust action, that that bitterness extends into our feelings towards God and absolutely and our mind and how it works. Yeah. So that's why the word conscience is used there, that's right? That's why the word we, conscience. We must consider. Good point. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you opened that up a bit. Now, notice in verse 20, for what credit is there if when you sin, when you violate law one or two, there is no other sin horizontally. We're not talking about vertical now. We're talk, 
All of these are horizontal issues. For what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with faith? Oh, man, you know, I cut his head off. I feel pretty good about that. I don't feel bad at all. What credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure that treatment with patience? Well, you deserve to be harshly treated, right? Because you did the wrong thing. But notice that's not the end of the verse. If when you do what is right and then suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds disfavor with God. Somebody caught it. You, this finds Favor with God. That harmonizes with Hebrews. It harmonizes with where all of this whole context. If if you've done wrong and you are harshly treated, if you break somebody's arm and then somebody comes back and breaks your arm, you deserved it. He said, if you endure that, so what? You had it coming. But on the other hand, if some violates law one and two on the job or in the home or anywhere else. You do what is right, and then you suffer for it. You become a victim of somebody else. Now, he said, when you patiently endure that and don't let it get a hold of you and ruin your life, now you have found favor with God. Oh, my. Look at first, um, first Corinthians. Oh, boy. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You should have never got me started on this. I'm not even getting to Nolan's point that he asked me the question this morning before class. See, a lot of our action goes on here before class. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 6. First Corinthians 6, 6. And seven. Actually, then, it is already, well, let's go to verse six. But when a brother, those who are Christians, particularly here, go to law with a brother, and that before unbelievers, why would anyone in the church? Now, I know a lot of you folks don't have a clue what we're talking about when we talk about the church because we're not there yet in our studies. But we're expanding it a little bit beyond that scope right now. So, and, and, and take, take one who is a fellow Christian and then go to court against them. And you go to a court that is controlled by unbelievers, which is what First Peter, remember, 2.13 was talking about. We have the right of a civil court. But he said the Christians never should go there. Yeah. I, I, I had to get there today yeah. because that's the other side of that coin. It is a big one. You're thinking. So, verse 7. Actually then, it is already a defeat for you that you have lawsuits with one another. Why? And here's the principle. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be defrauded? taken advantage of, manipulated. 
infringed upon, encroached upon. On the contrary, you yourselves wrong and defraud, and this even to your brethren. And then notice what he does in verse 9, and you won't like this, but I'm almost done, and I will escape the last tomato. You do not know, or do you not know, that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you. So he's talking to a church that has a history of a lot of bad backgrounds. But he is associated with unresolved conflict with everything listed here. See, that's why it's tacked on to that context. It is tacked on. Oh, I, I, I wouldn't think of that. I wouldn't think about being covetous. I would not think about being a thief. Well, you're in the same category. If you defraud another, or if you refuse to accept the wrong and allow it to turn into bitterness, rejecting the grace of God that enables you to be an overcomer. Let's go to Colossians 3. Our time is up. I'm aware of that. Don't try to tell me. I'm, I'm going to have to pick up maybe... I had not intended to go this route today. But I, it must be worthwhile because I'm getting some folks mad, and that makes me happy. Mad, sad, or glad, I don't care which, you'll get more, you'll get more long-term results out of people who get mad than you get out of people who get glad. That's just the way it is. So we have to know in chapter, Colossians chapter 3, verse 25, and I'm going to conclude with this verse. For he who does wrong will get by with his wrongdoing, providing that you react and become embittered and come angry and use any kind of means possible to try to drown that out. I don't know whether you were following or not, but if you were following, that isn't what it says. But that's how people, that's what people read into it. He who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done. You don't buy that. No, you don't buy that. You feel like you have to take it in your own hands. Many times the Bible says, you let things alone, God will avenge you when you've been wrong, if you will let him. But if you get in the way, God will let you do it your way. I haven't got time to read all those verses, but we could. So look at what it says, folks. He who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong 
which he has done. We don't know how. And that's right, Alex. And that's probably the most important point of all. Yep. It's not our place to know how that's going to... It may, be take, it may take place inwardly and you never see it. Everyone who does wrong, there are always consequences to wrongdoing, just as there are wrong consequences to anything I teach that is wrong. Anything that I say is not true, I have to bear the responsibility of it. That's why I read and read and read this stuff. So he will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has. Do you believe that? Well, then let it go. Let the grace of God deal. Come into the grace of God. Look how the graciousness of God. I have one example that I'm not going to give you today because we're way over time. And I'll tell you, when I have to do the transcribing of these lessons, which are all put in print, I don't like pages that are over 15, transcripts that are more than 15 pages long. And I know right now we're at 18. <laughs> I know that. For, for Sharon, is, I, I've got a stack at home already of 40 pages to do this week, and it's tough. So he who does wrong will, will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. It won't make any difference who he is, what he is, what position he has. That's the price. Or why. Or why. It won't make any difference why. Well, I hope you for, never forget that. I have, why? I've heard parents, oh, you know, I've heard parents say so many times, why did you do that? And I just want to take a ball bat and crack their skull. How stupid can parents be? You know, when something's wrong happens, why did you do that? Why did you knock brother off his tricycle and cause him to crack his skull when he hit the sidewalk? Why? Well, why is, why does it make any difference? Now, there are places where why is appropriate, but it's not when it's dealing with right and wrong. Now, folks, if you haven't got that right, it doesn't make any difference what you get right. Father, we thank you for a good time in your word today. Our intent is to be helpful, to give people support and strength in their lives by the strength and support of the scripture. In Jesus' name, amen. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.